Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. My co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this on Monday, July 20th. Okay, so Aaron, on the last show, you were talking how much you were looking forward to the Sandman. That was Audible that was doing that, or...? Yeah, yeah, and it was my first, I got to do, finally activate my trial, because I'd been waiting on Audible forever, like, I just need something that really grabs me, and Sandman grabbed me, so I clicked, and that was my first actual, you know, purchase thingy, Mm -hmm. and uh, I listened for, I'm gonna say about four or five hours before I had to take a a little pause and get back to reality for a Mm -hmm. minute, but it is just so gosh darn wonderful, it's right bordering on the line of absolute perfection for me as an audio nerd and spending my entire career in audio they've done just about everything and i could be so like super super critical that it but nobody should ever think it as a fault Mm -hmm. i would give more more stereo separation a little bit further on the left a little bit further on the right because there's a lot of people that walk into a room Uh and then come dead center to sit in front of your face and then we'll walk out of room and there's a lot of movement Mm -hmm. that happens in this and it's so magical and so mysterious and they've got all the the sound effects are true to life in a way that you feel that you're in the environment that they're telling you that you're in Next, you've got a voice cast of incredible, like, Hollywood A-level talent Mm -hmm. all the way across the board. From the biggest to the smallest, everybody is A-level. So you've got performances that are true and authentic and never feel false. So you are really brought into this world. And then on top of that, they had someone actually score music. Now, let me break this down for you real quick so you know a little behind the scenes. Normally, Mm -hmm. if you're producing something, you go online to a library of music that you're going to pay for. And yes, there's a bunch of different variety, but it's usually cut to be exactly 60 seconds or exactly 30 seconds for commercial Mm -hmm. use. And these moments take place in a handful of seconds. So they actually got a Hollywood level composer to score everything. And every single note was placed there on purpose to tell the story. It was not gotten from a library because it sounded neat and cool. It was brought to life by someone who wrote it specifically to exist to support the Sandman story. So, I mean, they went all out on every single detail. And then you got Neil Gaiman as the narrator. Mm -hmm. Cherry on top, I'm satisfied. Give me a bib and a spoon, I'm going at it like a pig. As far as the storyline goes, Mm -hmm. the the one thing that I've truly enjoyed uh, is the fact that I know every issue being told Mm -hmm like verbatim and so when i sit back with my headphones on and close my eyes to get lost in this world i can see panel by panel every single issue 
that's being put forth. And as a Sandman fan, if you truly love your Sandman comic books, that is really the reason to dive into this one is because you can close your eyes and see every single panel that you remember reading about 30 some years ago now. Um, and if you're a new person to the Sandman universe, it's also a great way to get wrapped up in the magic and the mystery because you can close your eyes and sometimes you are your very best director, your own storyteller. That's why the book is always better than the movie. You read the words, but you paint that picture in your mind. You're the director. And so in these instances, you get to paint some wonderful mental images for yourself uh, and then you're going to have to go and see how close was I to the original comic and you'll go by the comic and see the, your side by side comparison. Very cool. So, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Check it okay. out. Go ahead. All right. Well, speaking of things coming to a close, so to speak, I mean, you've got the other half of the episodes to listen to, but we're kind of in the final stretch now with, with the final season of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I just mm -hmm. got caught up myself this past week. I wondered what you were thinking of this run of shows. I think the simplest way to review it is to say that they're having fun with their last season, and I'm also having fun with them having fun with their final season. Mm -hmm. I like the time jumping aspect. I've, I've always been a fan of time travel stories. They're having fun with it. They really commit to it. I like the opening credits, how the logo yeah. changes from show yeah. to show to represent the decade they're in. I love that they committed to actually doing a full episode film noir style mm -hmm. with the old detective story. And, and it just, it fit. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I have to admit me personally, I love that they folded it. Uh, Agent Sousa, I believe his name from yeah Agent Carter, and it that was really for, for me who you know I kind of I still I keep a candle burning for Agent Carter. I keep hoping, that especially in our Disney Plus age, that somebody somewhere will decide maybe we should circle back on that idea. But no, same thing. I, I've really been enjoying the season. The whole time jump conceit has been fun, and I'm going to be intrigued to see how they wrap this up, how they bring this to a close. Okay, so we got to talk about things we enjoy, things that are fun. And now we have to turn to the news that broke today about Tenant. It was supposed to originally be released on July 17th, then got moved to July 30th, and then to August 12th, which, by the way, was the 10th anniversary of when Christopher Nolan's Inception first arrived in theaters. But did you see today that Warner Brothers actually took Tenet completely off its release schedule for, for 2020? Well, I'm not surprised. If you don't have both the New York and the Los Angeles market kicking in your theater neighborhood, what's the point? Yeah. You had said that there were approximately a thousand theaters open in the U.S. Is that the number-ish? Obviously, you know, the drive-ins in America are up and running. But yeah, they mentioned that of the 5,000 theaters that are in North America, roughly a thousand are open. And that kind of threw me for a loop because the theaters here in New England have been closed, with the exception of the, the drive-in down in Milford that opened uh, right. four or five weeks ago. But all of the other theaters, all of the, the multiplexes, the duplexes, you know, that sort of thing, they're shut down tight. They haven't shown a film. In fact, I, I think I saw Onward uh, in March on the very last day theaters were open to the public. Yeah, I mean, if you're in, in middle rural America where there's a lower population and you're, um, for the most part, rather healthy, mm -hmm. you know, no, no one's sick, yeah. then sure, like theaters can open mm -hmm. up. But I grew up in a town where the population was about like 2,000 people, mm -hmm. legit small town America. Okay. 
we had one theater. So I'm imagining, you know, my old hometown in this instance where they've got one screen available. They have a smaller population. For the most part, it's healthy. Mm-hmm. And they can open up a theater safely. But Christopher Nolan is not intending to open up for Oscoda, Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Love you guys back home. Yeah. Hope you're well. But you're not a big enough population to satisfy the release of Tenet. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And they know that. We all know that. You need you need New York and you need L.A. Now, if, if the rest of the country is ravaged with COVID and the theaters aren't open, what's I mean, that ends up leading to a whole host of other questions mm-hmm. of if you can't open a theater, what do you what are you going to do with all of this material that you have on the shelf? Is it going to age well over time like a fine wine? Eh, probably not. Mm-hmm. Some some will be OK. But uh, some stories were built, you know, or, or written in an age and a time that, you know, a time affects the things that are written. You know, Twilight Zone was a good example of examining your era that you're living in. So I don't know if, if all these things are going to age well. They need an outlet. They need, you know, Netflix is going to need content. I'm sure they're going to try and buy something from someone. Mm. It's always interesting that you find out things that you're not supposed to find out at moments like this. And, for example, Warner's admitted that every time they push back a release date of a, a film like Tenant, it costs the studio anywhere from two hundred thousand to four hundred thousand dollars, and that's changing ads, it's printing new posters, you know, all that. And now, mind you, they're talking about potentially opening it overseas because coronavirus appears to be on the retreat in you know certain markets in Europe and Asia. But in our age of people can walk into a theater with a phone, I mean, one of the reasons that the studios put day and date releases worldwide in place was to shut down the pirates who would walk into a theater in New York, you know, film a film on opening day, and it would be available for sale again on the street in Beijing the following Monday. How ironic would it be that if Tenet or, or, or other films get to open first and it's, you know, all of us trapped at home here in the States who were the ones who pirate, uh, you know, oh, I get to see the new Christopher Nolan before it opens here in the States. Well, I, I just believe that we've got a lot of streaming content services mm-hmm. that are not able to create content right now. So they're going to be seeking stuff that is already made, done, wrapped up with a little bow. And they're going to sling a pile of cash at him and say, can I have some for my streaming service, please, sir? Like Oliver with his little bowl. Please, sir, may I have some more? Thank you. That's a wonderful transition for the next thing, because Disney Plus has just released its schedule for August. And I have to admit, I really am kind of intrigued by the Marvel stuff that's showing up there. I mean, for example, on August 7th, Fox's original X-Men from June of 2000. Now, mind you, it's not the first X-Men, to show up on Disney+. Plus. X-Men Days of Future Past actually debuted, I think, just after we recorded our last show on July 10th. And then just after that, X-Men Apocalypse uh, debuted on July 17th. So you and I have talked about whether or not Disney's going to reboot the X-Men as part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And don't you find it kind of intriguing that, that they're, they're literally putting these films out there? No, not at all. No? No. Remember, please, uh, may I have some uh-huh. more? Is, uh, we just need content. Don't care what it is. Put it in my bowl. Reheated leftovers from 10 years ago. Fine. Put it in the bowl. I'm hungry. Okay. Content, please. Content. Uh-huh. So, uh, no, not intriguing. And, and uh, we're not getting anything new. Uh-huh. 
they just need to put something out there like uh, to, to satisfy mm-hmm. a reason for me to keep giving them money every month. The only reason I'm not having this conversation with Disney right now is I was stupid. We got the, you know, the full mm-hmm. year up front because yep. we thought there would be this never ending feast. And we got through Mandalorian and smacked our lips and went, what's next? And they went, uh, hold on. The, the chef is making something very good. It'll be coming in uh, November of 2020. And I was like, what? what? No, 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 no. I need content now. Uh. Well, it's, again, it, interesting that you, you bring that up, because obviously you saw the same thing that I saw, that originally, what was Falcon and the Winter Soldier was supposed to debut in August. We now know that's not going to happen. I have heard that they're shooting for September. In fact, evidently, there's tremendous pressure to get it done from for September, because as you just mentioned... Uh, Mandalorian season two is looming large and it, it's the, the whole notion of we want that for November sweeps. We want that during that period when advertisers and the like are particularly paying very close attention to, you know, how many people tune in or subscribe or that sort of thing. But another weird little side note here, Paul Bettany, the gentleman who plays Vision, Back when there was actually still going to be a Tampa Comic-Con, which was going to be held the first week of June, he actually had to pull out of that because they had found a way for WandaVision to go back before the cameras. He pulls out and like uh, less than a week later, uh, Tampa decides it's not safe to have a Comic-Con, so it gets shut down entirely for 2020. But uh, WandaVision evidently will, in fact, make its December debut on Disney+. Plus. We have our slippy, slidey delivery date for uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which would right now it's September. I, I can't tell you when in September, but September. On the other hand, Wanda in December. Then Loki, right now, the closest they'll come to, to locking in a release time is Spring of 2021 and and spring runs all the way up to what june 20th right so you know and on the end hawkeye hawkeye is just 2021 at some point they're not willing to get terribly specific about that looking out to september fox's the wolverine from uh, july of 2013 is going to debut on a disney streaming service and I guess what makes me sad is that we get this chunk of the Wolverine trilogy, but we're never going to get Logan. Yeah, but I think at this point, just because the movies are have been around for a while, uh-huh. uh, I've had plenty of opportunities to watch them over and over. So, so much of this content mm-hmm. it doesn't even really register to me as content. Mm-hmm. If I'm on Netflix and I've seen Alien, a bazillion times in my life because I truly love that movie as a horror movie. Uh-huh. If I see Alien show up on Netflix, I do not consider that to be new content in my mind because it's been it's been with me on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, uh, 4K download, etc. as part of my collection in my library uh-huh. that my mind does not trigger that as a, a, a new thing. I've, I already have many copies of that thing. That is just another copy of a thing I already have many copies of. Same with Star Wars and same with all of the MCU. Mm -hmm. I've got all of it in many, many formats. So when Disney Plus goes, hey, Aaron, guess what we've got for you? 
the original X-Men with Patrick Stewart. And I go, so I've got seven copies of that. Now I've got eight. Thanks. <laughs> you know, okay. I want I want Scarlet Vision. I want Loki. Mm-hmm. I want the new stuff that hasn't yet entered my eyeballs and my brain and my ears. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking for right now for new content from Disney+. Plus. Well, now, interesting that you bring that up because, again, Hawkeye has yet to shoot, but they are lining up key creatives. And I have to admit, I'm kind of intrigued by this. They've hired to direct a couple of episodes. They've got Amber Findlinson and Katie Elwood, who are probably best known for their work on Amazon's coming-of-age comedy Troop Zero. They've also hired Rice Thomas, who's a veteran Saturday Night Live director, and he's supposed to helm mm. a, a couple of episodes of Hawkeye as well. So kind of intrigued that they, they went with guys who really have more comedy experience when it comes to Hawkeye. Cause, nah. Huh? Let's point back to Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. They got Taika Waititi. Mm-hmm. When, when that was announced, that was a bold statement of we're going somewhere different. Mm-hmm. And it worked really, really well because Taika has a very creative comedy mind. Mm-hmm. He's known for his comedy work. So they were expecting a bold, creative, comedic choice, mm-hmm. some levity. And Thor Ragnarok is the funniest of all of the Thor movies, hands down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that was where Chris Hemsworth finally felt rejuvenated playing Thor as a, almost like a new character. Uh, he felt refreshed in that role all of a sudden. And Hawkeye has been dour. He's He's been the bad guy in the first Avengers movie throughout most of the movie. So he kind of felt, you know, uh, overshadowed by his own, you know, betraying of, of the team for a while. Uh, he really hasn't had a chance to shine and, and develop and be his own thing. He's always been attached to someone else's movie. Mm-hmm. So now that they're going to give him a moment to do something, it better be more than just a bad Batman who is, you know, always scowling and angry and I'm going to go protect the city. (laughs) You know what? Okay, fine. Uh, So, yeah, I'm kind of okay with the fact that they went with some comedic choices and that they're going for a lighter tone and. Uh, that's all fine and good. We need some levity in our MCU every once in a but while. Now, it's it's so intriguing you say that because I just came across this this amazing story. I mean, face it, from the moment all of us saw Endgame and that, that, that wonderful exchange between Thanos and Tony Stark at the very end of the battle, you know, that, that's I am inevitable and I am Iron Man. That was an iconic moment from the get-go. But the interesting thing is, Joe Russo was talking in a recent interview, and the, Tony used to not say anything in that moment. And, and we were in the, the editing room, and we were like, well, he has to say something. This is a character who lives and dies by quips. And and so they, they try like a million different lines, and they can they never get anything to work. And do you ever hear what, what Robbie Diney Jr. came up with for, for that moment, or...? Uh, no, I, I thought it was the, like the editor was the one that threw them the idea for the final line, but what did Tony come or what did Robert come up with for Tony? It was a little on the nose, but basically mm-hmm. it was like, oh, snap. <laughs> oh goodness. I almost wish they would have went with that because that is funny. That is funny. But, uh. but again, you know, the face it, 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 and you're right. It was actually a Jeff Ford, the, the editor who, 
I mean, they're sitting there just sort of staring at the, the Avid machine. What, what do we do? How do we fix this? You know, he's got to say something. And it's like, well, why don't we bring it full circle? Why don't we, you know, the end of the first film, you know, I am Iron Man. And it's like, <laughs> and the Russos were like, get the camera. We need to shoot that tomorrow. And they knew that it was a great callback to, you know, an earlier line. And it was just funny enough, but not funny. It, it You know, it fit the emotion of the moment. And they were talking mm. about the cut scene in Infinity Wars. It was when we were supposed to meet the Smart Hulk. Um, mm-hmm. Have you seen this footage with, with Anthony Mackie mm-hmm. and Scarlett Johansson and Mark Ruffalo? Or yeah. 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 It does work out of context, but evidently edited into the film, there had been so much sacrifice and there was so much tension that the stakes were so high. It just seemed like a weird moment to kind of give this good thing to Bruce Banner, that he'd finally learned to make peace with the Incredible Hulk and they'd fuse together to form this one entity. And it was just sort of like, this is a great idea, just the wrong time and the wrong way to do this. And so they cut it out and left it on the cutting room floor. By the way, the Russo brothers will not give up on their Secret Wars chit chat yes yes every time they go out it's like they have to every like a couple of months they have to go oh by the way did we ever tell you our dream was to direct secret wars <laughs> by the way is disney in the room hey disney how you doing <laughs> did we ever tell you our dream was to direct secret wars let me tell you a little bit about it it's a fabulous story okay <laughs> now if they do that here's a here's a big change that that would have to happen yeah. spider-man nerd moment alert <laughs> doo Spidey gets his black costume during the Secret Wars. Reason he gets his black costume is because he, he his mask gets torn and people would then be able to see his secret identity as merely a child, Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he ends up getting this uh, black costume during the, the process of being on a different planet. And it later turns out it's an alien called Venom. And we end up dealing with that later. Um... So uh, Venom already exists, so we can't do um... that. Second, uh, we've already had Mr. Jameson on the from the Daily Bugle say, by the way, Spider-Man's Peter Parker. Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> so he doesn't have a secret identity anymore. That's uh, By the way, that's one of the finer J.K. Simmons <laughs> impressions I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I can also play a peanut M&M, by the way. But go All ahead. right. There we go. All right. Well, I tell you what, in a moment, folks, we'll talk a, a bit more about what the Russo brothers are up to while they're waiting to hopefully convince Disney and Marvel to make Seeker Ward. Have you been keeping tabs on what Joe and Anthony have been up to? They spent a full year shooting Endgame and, or excuse me, Infinity War and Endgame as, as one giant mm-hmm. film, right, sir? Yeah, I mean, why not? You've, I mean, you've got to assemble so much uh, cast and crew that, you know, I mean, that them, they're Hollywood talent type people, them A-listers, <laughs> they've got other projects to work on. So it's not like you really have a whole lot of time where you can get every important person in the world in the same room at the same time. Mm-hmm. So they got to get what they can get while they can get it, do their scheduling and get out. And, and go into post-production. So it makes sense to shoot it all at once while they're all in the same room that one time, mm-hmm. get those scenes against a blue screen so we can make sure you, if, oh, we're going to put them in Wakanda now? All right, cool. Just throw up the Wakanda on the blue screen and we're good. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I guess for me, what's kind of intriguing is if you look at like the three big projects that 
Joe and Anthony have done since they fin- you know, delivered Infinity Wars and Endgame. The first thing they directed and produced was Cherry, which actually stars Tom Holland, a Spidey. But evidently, this is completed, and again, this is another one of these films that's waiting for theaters to open again so it can be released. But it's about an army medic with PTSD who becomes addicted to opioids and then starts robbing banks to pay for the addiction. So that's really kind of an interesting role for Peter Parker to be playing. I just hope there's like a a withdrawal happening during a robbery because that's got to be the height of potential drama. Ah, Is to have the shaky gun. Oh, I'm sweating. Oh, I got the shake sauce. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now, uh, uh, you know, uh, meanwhile, but that's for theatrical release. Mind you, uh, they uh-huh. also, uh, it, Joe and Anthony also wrote and produced for Netflix, Extraction, which came out this past April, starred Chris Hemsworth. That turned out to be a huge hit for Netflix. They Earlier this month revealed, in the first four weeks that that was available on that streaming service, it was watched by 99 million households, which made it the most ever viewed for uh, one of their original films. And then... You know, on the heels of that success, just this week, Netflix announced they were going to put in production their most financially ambitious film so far. And again, Joe and Anthony are going to direct Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans, uh, Captain America, in a film called The Gray Man, which is supposed to create a brand new franchise for Netflix that's supposed to be on a James Bond type level uh it's the highest budget they've ever put forward for a film 200 million dollars you know what i kind of like about this is if you look at this the russo brothers with these outside projects they pivoted back to working with the guys that they worked on with the marvel films like you know uh chris evans uh chris hemsworth tom holland and I think that a lot of people, if you were to compare this to anything, I would think of someone almost like a Quentin Tarantino who picks uh, the same few actors to work with over and over, or even uh, Scorsese and Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. You know, like certain directors, once they f- they work with someone and they enjoy working with them and they get what they want out of them creatively mm-hmm. for the project and, and they end up learning how to, you know, communicate with one another, because that's another thing is when you're a director, you have to be critical of someone. Mm-hmm. And tell them, uh, you didn't do it right. You got to do that again. And you got to do it this way because that's the way that it's, you know, conveys the whatever we're trying to convey. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's often a lot of tension when when someone is telling you how to do your thing. And so when you're able to have a director and an actor who are able to collaborate together and get positive end result, mm-hmm. and they both still like each mm-hmm. other at the end of it. Oh, well, that's the cream. That's the cream on top of everything. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that. And, uh, you know, those people are like A-list celebrity status right now. So, of course, they're going to want them because they're just cash cows. Grab them by the teeth. Give them a little pull of nickel. Pop out. (laughs) (laughs) And there's another visual I'm going to have trouble forgetting. If I ever see Chris Hemsworth, I'm just going to grab him on his his chest and give a couple of pulls and see if any money comes up. Well, okay. Uh, he's gonna punch me in the face uh, but it'll be fun okay <laughs> well i you know but, but at the same time you know the, the weird sort of thing if you watch the videos if you watch the interviews as these guys do seem to actually like one another and mm-hmm. and that kind of became obvious 
this week with the Bridger Walker story. Have you been following this, uh, the little boy from, from Wyoming? Yeah, I gotta say, that this, this is why the MCU mm-hmm. is worthy of fandom mm-hmm. to me, because together mm-hmm. they're upholding the idea that Stan put forth so long ago that anybody can be a hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, bravery is to be scared and still to do the uh, take the needed action, mm-hmm. whatever that is. And uh, that six-year-old Bridger Walker, he, he earned his badge of being a hero. Yeah, the, the, for those of you who haven't heard the story, basically, the, again, Bridger and his four-year-old sister were at a neighbor's house playing, and a German Shepherd mix that, in fact, Bridger had talked about these dogs with his parents earlier, that there was... There was the nice one and the mean one. And the mean dog rushed into the yard. And Bridger deliberately stepped between the dog and his four-year-old sister. And dog bit him on the face and, and the scalp. And it took 90 stitches to close the wounds. And I've been trying to, to, to work the actual timeline here. Because evidently, Bridger's mom, Nikki put out the mm. word through social media and i don't I entirely understand how the word got back to chris evans but chris heard about this kid and uh immediately got on social media put together a video message from where he said ness and tay bridger captain america here how you doing buddy so i read your story i saw what you did and i'm sure you've heard a lot of this over the last couple of days but let me be the next one to tell you pal you're a hero your sister is so lucky to have you as a big brother. Your parents must be so proud of you. And Chris closed out his video message. I'm going to get a hold of your mom. I'm going to send you a, sh- a Captain America shield because you really are a hero. And where the story then gets genuinely sweet is that the other folks that Chris Evans has worked on on the MCU films uh, get word about Bridger and they start reaching out. And so next is Robert Downey Jr. And his message is the effect of, Bridger, you're a rock star. By the way, my name's Robert Downey Jr. I play Tony. That makes me a friend of Cap. And I heard he's sending a shield your way. I, I'm going to do one better. Your next birthday, I'll, gonna, I'll get something special for you. Late. By the way, and that's a promise, and a promise beats a shield. And then from there, Mark Ruffalo reaches out, and, and Chris Hemsworth, and Brie Larson, and all of these folks. I have a feeling in an upcoming MCU film, yeah. there's going to be a small kid showing up to save the day somehow named Bridger. It is. You know, Don't worry, Cap, I've got this one. And they're like, whoa. It is so funny from? you say that, because the very last person to reach out was Tom Holland. And Tom is working right now on a pirate film called Uncharted. But he immediately, as soon as that's done, he's immediately beginning work on Spider-Man homework. <laughs> what, what did you? Yeah, work from it was work from work home. From home. There, there was okay. yeah, you know. or homeschooled if he's going to class. But Holland gets a hold of Walker and says, "Hey." If you want to come to the set and hang out and see the Spider-Man suit up close, you're always welcome. And he invited the kid to the set. So, yeah, I, I think you're not wrong. I think we're going to see Bridger on camera sooner rather than later. You know, that's really rude. They, I mean, Tom Holland should know that he's only six. He doesn't have a job. He doesn't have a couple of grand on airfare and hotel. What the hell, man? <laughs> I, I think they'll they'll sort that out. Um, oh, oh, okay. But but I gotta tell you, p- 
particularly <laughs> now with with uh, just the news being this unending parade of terrible i i really needed the bridger walker story right about now i really needed people being nice to a six-year-old just because he's a six-year-old Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans, they aren't on the Marvel payroll anymore, all right? That's in the rearview mirror. No, but you know, I almost think that they believe in this thing, mm-hmm. like uh, Christopher Reeves was Superman for a while, yeah. and he was associated with Superman, and he knew, I'm not Superman, I'm a different thing, I have different emotions and feelings, and, and he could have been bitter about, you know, always being associated with Superman, mm-hmm. but... Instead, he took the more noble approach by kind of trying to, in the public way, mm-hmm. uh, be that uplifting thing that Superman was. He was usually an uplifting kind of person and spoke positively about everything mm-hmm. in general. Even when he had his uh, accident with the horse and, and uh, was paralyzed from the neck down, mm-hmm. he was even more inspirational in, in those moments that reminded us even more of the Man of Steel character. Mm-hmm. Not even the the guy in the suit. I'm just talking about the character, mm-hmm. you know, the spirit of the person. And uh, there are a lot of actors that pick up a, a gig. Mm-hmm. You know, they do their job. They set it down. They walk away from it and they never look mm-hmm. back. And then there's others like Captain America that you've been playing for like almost 15 years mm-hmm. now or whatever. Part of it, you are Captain America. You have to accept that now, Chris. Mm-hmm. We look at you and the first thing we see is a star on your chest and an A on your forehead. That's the way it is now. And I think he understands that and he accepts it and he tries to live up to, you know, when I think all of them kind of feel like Robert Downey Jr. believes he is Tony Stark. (laughs) I mean, he is. He is Tony Stark. We look at him and we go, that's what Tony Stark is. And that's just we've it's he's part of the zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. So uh, because they have that mantle there, because because they have been given great power, Jim, (laughs) they will use it with great responsibility. And I now owe somebody a nickel for that. Uh, By the way, let's uh, let's uh, throw this little bone out before we close the show on that uplifting Mm -hmm. note. Let's drag it back in the gutter real quick. Why is Disney putting out a new mutants trailer? (laughs) <laughs> like what what are, are they trying to give us expectations only to deflate them again I, you know the balloon can only go <laughs> if it's full of air so they have to pump us up so they can get the <laughs> noise at the end you know you, you you were doing so well there i mean you, you were sticking oh. the landing with, with, <laughs> with the great you know power card uh, okay well, and then the balloon then noise the balloon came noise. into the show. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> what, what, are, what are they doing? What are they doing? Is, is there a reason? I know that the com- the digital Comic-Con thing is coming yeah. up, but the only reason for them to put out a trailer is to say, we're putting it on Disney Plus because we know darn well if Tenant is being moved off of the planetary schedule for mm-hmm. now, New Mutants doesn't have a hope in hell of seeing a screen. I feel like David Letterman should show up with a top 10 lesson. Paul, can we get some New Mutants music, please? New Mutants. Oh, New Mutants music for Dave. La, la, la. Here's the top 10 list. Ah. Number 10. Why will they not see a theater? Because theaters don't exist anymore. That's number 10. And remember, the, the rule always with Letterman's top 10, the best gag was in the number two slot. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, totally. So 
I think the only reason for them to release a trailer for New Mutants for this digital comic event mm-hmm. is to say it's coming to Disney Plus because again, they don't have content. They need content, and it's the only thing that can make them money right now. So you know, face it. You know, the same thing. You know, the Logan, arguably the very best Wolverine film that's ever been made, will not show up on Disney Plus because it's an R. And Disney even has problems with PG films. In fact, the story about Splash, where they they digitally extended the hair, Daryl Hannah's hair, so it covers her butt. Sacrilegious. Yeah, Sacrilegious. Somebody should have been fired over that. Now, they've also got Mm. another service that they could shuffle it over to. They could put that stuff over on Hulu. That's an interesting point. And Hulu also needs content. Mm. It's not like one... (laughs) They're both starving. Okay. So uh, New Mutants has got to land somewhere. Mm-hmm. And if it's not going to be Disney Plus because it is horror and it was, if if they're having issues with PG and Daryl Hannah's butt is scary <laughs> and will scar the children. Oh, my God. Just see that booty. Oh, Becky, did you see her butt? <laughs> Bumping it on <laughs> Baby got back. Uh, hair on her back. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, if, if the, I think the only place it could go then, if it, if it can't go on Disney Plus, would then be Hulu, right? No, so that makes sense. That makes sense. But there's no way it's coming to theaters. Well, no way. Like, you know, you, you bring up an excellent point. We will know more at the end of this week because we are two days away from the launch of Comic-Con at home. The, you know, the, the first Comic-Con where we can all... In theory, go to every panel we want to go to, you know, because everything's being broadcast online. So I would imagine we'll have a lot of Marvel-related news to share the next time we, we get together to do one of these shows. But And I'm sure it's all going to be release dates that have been pushed back another <laughs> six months, right? That's that's the okay. news. That's what Disney's going to trot out it, there. Again, you ended it on a wonderful, hopeful <laughs> note, and then we kept talking. Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right, I, I, that's going to do it for this week's folks. By the way, if you, you've in, enjoyed what, what Aaron and I have been chatting away here tonight, we have some other shows here at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. We have the the original, we have Disney Dish with Lentesta, uh, we have Looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z, we have Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor. Likewise, we have Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse about the Universal theme parks, and we just got a brand new. I want that up. Anyway, folks, if you could do Aaron and I a favor and head over to iTunes and rate and recommend Marvel Us Disney, uh, that helps us get extra ears and eyes. Uh, if you really, really, really like what you've heard here, if you get over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be helpful. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram. And, and by the way, have you noticed the number of people who... Are, are, you know, thanks to Len, enjoying your travels around the countries, your appearances at various cultural events. It's hard to pack for all I of that. I was about to it's say, like, you know, that the. Well, I find out when I'm editing uh-huh. that I'm going to a sausage fest, and I'm like, okay, so what kind of sausage do I need to pick up for this event? Do I get the buns? Where, what are we doing here? And so I show up, and there's a whole bunch of people, and they're like, okay, did you have the Vienna sausages? And I'm like, the Vienna sausage. I had kielbasa. I wish you guys would have sent a, a tweet. Please, you know, for those of you who are, you know, are managing these these various events where, where Aaron is putting his appearance, just a little upfront help there. Help the guy <laughs> out. But uh, anyway, again, uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. And I, I guess that's going to do it for now. So, Aaron, you go back to watching or excuse me, listening 
to uh, Sandman on Audible, and I'll get back to uh, watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and we'll, we'll do an update on our next show, okay? Sounds good.